2: You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm Jared Kimber, and with me is Ashes winner Steve Harmson. Tonight, we're going to look back at the T20. England's bubble team beat Australia's rusty team. It was clear that Australia didn't quite know what their best team was, or at times even their second best team, and England have had a good chance to have a look at some players in new positions and see what works. Oh, and Josh Butler was handy, so let's start there.
0: There is uh, stain once again. bowls. Oh, punched oh, away by Butler for four through square leg. Outrageous. It is tough, um, and we know he's a he's a gun. You no, know, there's no question about that. Here is uh, Shamsi once again down the wicket. Six runs. Oh yes, please. Best seat in the house. Third one inside the power play, and he's in. He's bowled and he's hit for six over long on. What a shot! from Josh Butler.
1: Yeah, he just continues to impress the whole time. I'm not really too fussed about the, the personal milestones if if on a day 30 not out wins you the game then that's fantastic.
2: Okay. Well, Josh Butler had a great series when if you consider two games a series, uh, he, had, he had a great couple of games. So with me, I have Steve Harmison, but I also have uh, John Norman, who's uh, been covering the games for TalkSport. John, uh, he made a bit of a difference not being there tonight, Josh Butler.
1: Yeah, funny that, eh? Um, Look, we know what Josh Butler is capable of in white ball cricket, and we saw it in that second uh, T20, we saw it in the first T20. In fact, what surprised me more wasn't the fact that Josh Butler did what he did in both matches, England uh, really... Leaning on him and Dar- David Milan for scores in those first two, but it was a reaction on the Australian players' faces. You know, some of those uh, some of those shots that he pulled out weren't greeted by scowls or swearing or old Glen McGraw chuntering. They were actually almost treated with uh, something uh, approaching. Um, I don't know what the right word is. They they looked at him as though they were in disbelief. Uh, He was hitting the ball so cleanly and in areas of the field that they hadn't even thought about sticking a fielder. So, yeah, missing him today. But uh, I think anything would miss Joss Butler, wouldn't they?
2: Harmy, we spent basically the entire summer talking about Josh Butler already, uh, and it's incredible that we've 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 not even you know talked that much about the white ball game. But he really is—he hits the ball in a way. Um, I was trying to explain this to to a cricket fan the other day. He hits the ball in a way that no other batsman has ever done. There's that great um, footage of him with uh, with Freddie out in the middle and Freddie hitting it like a proper batsman, elbow up, follow through. He basically plays like. I don't know ice hockey or golf or tennis. It, it's a completely different way you hits the ball, isn't it?
0: It is. It's the it's the is Yeah, it's very wristy. Not not so much. When you talk about wrists, you talk about subcontinent, Asian type, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka. The way they they sort of manipulate the ball through the leg side. But it's actually it's not like that. It is. It's more is like golf. It is. Yeah, you know, stand on the tee. Yeah, you know, very very still. At, at the point of contact, and that's the thing for me about Joss Butler. When he's on, he's on the move, and I think he does that a lot in Test match cricket. When the ball moves, or, or he, he starts moving around, or he's in between, sort of. I'm nah, not sure whether it's front foot or back foot. That's when he gets caught between a sort of rock and a hard place. But in one day cricket, he's, he's so um, mindset is is so firm, it's so precise that trigger movement bat picked up, and the, no matter where the ball pitches, I'm in a still position, my head still, and I'm going to back, I can hit this thing as far as, what, 70 yards that any any boundary is, and that for me, the confidence that he's got from the back end of the test summer you, you talked about what we said about the way we've talked about Josh Butler um, over the back oh, the, over the course of the red ball cricket but actually in white ball cricket, there was never ever any in question about his technique ability, mindset and the way he plays the only thing it was a question is where, where where do England bat him and where should he be put so for me it's another it's not muddy in any waters because it's a great problem to have for England but I think Josh Butler you know the confidence he's had from the back end of the test summer has really you know, been the catalyst of where he's put England 2-0 up in this series um, and top of the world rankings in 2020 cricket
2: Yeah and we'll talk about where he should bat in a moment but uh... Interesting one for me is a couple of years ago, I wrote a piece about England white ball cricketers. Now, at that point, England hadn't really done much other than the uh, the uh, World T20 uh, victory a few years b- prior to that. But they hadn't become a great uh, white ball team in one day cricket or in T20 cricket. It was actually, it's very hard to find great, and I mean great as in... Uh, internationally great uh, England white ball players. David Gower played some incredible innings. Uh, Jonathan Trott was actually, uh, I think he made the uh, uh, ICC 11 one year. Uh, your mate, Harmy Neil Fairbrother, was a very mm. good player. Alan Lamb had some incredible in- innings. In fact, a lot of your mates were very good,
0: Harmy. <laughs> not, not as much yourself, but no. Freddie, uh, yeah, Goffey, Fairbrother. I'd, I'd actually go as far as to say, probably the only... Player, one of the only players. Are, I I put Neil Fairbrother in that as well. During his time as, as England's, uh, his his career, hundred one one day internationals that he over he, he played, you know he, he played some great innings for England and he you know he, he did it on the on the big stage in the World Cup final, nearly get England to the point where they probably had a, the the best chance in a long time in '92 to win the World Cup. Mm. Um, as a, from a batsman's point of view, I'd say uh, yes, Neil Fairbrother, Kevin Peterson. But yeah. probably the only great world, world-class great white ball cricketer we've had was Darren Goff and that and that I, I I wouldn't say too much other than that Freddie was exceptional with a ball but I think if you if you were picking a, a world 11 um, with players that have picked that have played in the last sort of 20 or 30 years that's probably only Goffy that would get anywhere close to it
2: yeah, I think you're right. It it's really it's it's really interesting looking back and, and even with Goff I mean, as good as Goffie was, he did come up against some incredible other white ball bowlers mm. in his era. Um, Flintoff Flintoff, he's, he's kind of in the middle because he does have an incredible record himself, but he never felt like a great uh, limited overs player. A, 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 I should say an automatic um, a great in, in this sort of way, even if he was very good for England. So that means that almost by default at this point, you would have to say that Josh Butler is, uh, if not one of England's greatest, then very close to the greatest white ball player they've had.
0: Definitely, most definitely. I think I don't think there's too many uh, would argue if if something you know we we said that Josh Butler's the, the the greatest player England have produced in, in white ball cricket. Um like I said before, we've mentioned the names and gone around the houses, but he he takes the white ball to a to a whole new level in what he does for his team. Not many times have England been at the top of the tree in the shortest format, i.e. fifty over and twenty twenty. For a consistent period, there's times during the sort of early part of my career, um, we got to the Champions Trophy final. We beat Australia. Um, we did well in white ball cricket, but not for a prolonged period of, say, 12, 18, 24 months. And the interesting thing is now is it, it probably a little bit like football from an English point of view. And you know, the other the the nation the, the Nations League when we were going to host it in England, you now that being pro- pro- postponed for the for the coronavirus and the T20 World Cup in Australia from a cricketing. Perspective, point of view. I think both football teams, national te- uh, national football team and national cricket team, were on the crusp of being favourites at both tournaments and who would argue the way England have performed at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see how England go over the course of the next 12 months to get in a position to go to Australia and see if this side is still going to be the best 2020 team in the world.
2: No, definitely. Uh, just on that and how the team uh, comes together, we just want to have a, a quick listen to Josh Butler talking about where he likes to bat in a T20 game. It
1: probably is my favourite position to bat in T20 cricket. Um, I've had most of my success in, in 2020 at the top, but I think that's natural. You know, If you bat in the top three in T20 cricket, I think it's it's the best place for anyone. I think we've, we've probably got eight or nine guys who'd stick their hand up to, to bat in the top three. So I'm very happy there. Um, but I'm also very happy to do whatever the team needs of me. If, uh, you know, I've, I've played a lot of my career um, of 2020 and, and one day cricket batting in the middle. So I'm very comfortable doing that as well. Um, so you know, the, the decision really is for the, the coach and the captain to decide.
2: Now, this is very interesting, Harmi, for me. As you know, I spend a lot of my time working with T20 teams and also dissecting them um, occasionally as a journalist and, tr- and trying to put them together. Basically, when you look through the top run scorers in any competition, uh, it's always the openers. You, you, you get a couple of number threes and occasionally someone will have a standout um, series batting at four or five. But essentially, all the top run scorers um, are opening. And it is, if you can handle the new ball, and you see a lot of the West Indian guys, guys like Kyron Pollard and Andre Russell, and even Darren Sammy when he used to hit it everywhere, not so good when it comes to the new ball. But if you can handle that new white ball, which obviously behaves a lot differently than a new red ball, it is, without doubt, the absolute best place to bat. The problem becomes, though... You can't find that many guys who are very good at batting at four, five and six because all the best batsmen in domestic cricket end up at the top of the order. So you end up with, if you have a look at some of Australia's um, lineups and England's not far behind, you end up having five or six openers in your top seven batsmen just because that's where everyone bats for their domestic team.
0: Yeah, and that, that that was the argument during the back end of my career. I remember having a, a fascinating conversation with Mark Butcher, talking about when overseas came into domestic cricket, where you, what you found was either they they opened the baton or the bowl at the death, and our young good young English players never really got the chance to, to do that. And I think that is completely gone a full circle. I think that all our top players now are best players. You know, you say if you're going to want to be a test cricketer, you've got to bat in the top four for first-class cricket. But I think in one-day cricket now, I think if you're not batting one, two or three for your county in the T20 blast or in the 50-over competition, then you're probably getting overlooked playing international cricket because that's where it's probably not the hardest to bat, but the best place to bat for a scoring rate and a strike rate to show that you can go to the next level. And I think because of that, England are fortunate that they've got a top you know, I've got a I've got a team in front of me that I think is England's best team at this moment in time, and I I struggled to put them I I struggled to put put them in in order one two three or four when you've got Roy Bersto Butler and Stokes, let alone you've got Milan and Morgan behind that at five at five and six, so I think actually England have got a, not a bad balance there. I think Butler brilliant at the top of the order in this series, but I still think when Roy's back, I think Roy plays at the top. I think Bersto. In, you know, the, in the in the third one day at National, I actually thought he was very, very nervous. And knowing Johnny as I do, Johnny's quite a, a, an insecure character and I think there'll be a lot of question, questions going around in his head that, you know what, Joss has done well, Jason's got to come back in, is my place under in the, under scrutiny? And I actually thought he batted like that for the first 15, 20 balls of his innings um, in the third one day at National. So... Yeah, it was great to get him through that, test of character he got through that and he managed to get 50 for England. Shows that he, he has that, that sort of test of character. But I think when it comes to further down the line, England can basically pick their top four out of a hat and I don't think they're going to be, it, uh, it will weaken at any point, whichever one comes out first, second, third and fourth. It is a difficult role coming in with you know minimal balls left and you, you could be in
2: um, different situations and I've seen that. Vary uh, a lot in the last two games. Generally, you have a batsman at the other end, and and the key to get your innings started is getting them on strike, and then finding your boundaries when you can. And uh, and I'm I feel like I'm, you know, slowly learning to to figure that role out. That was. Agar there talking about Australia's middle order and his role in it. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm Jared Kimber. With me is Ashes winner Steve Harmson and we're going to talk Australia who came up against a second string England and won a single game and even then they tried very hard to give it away. The The, the structure of this team, Harmy, is so interesting because Australia has pretty much since Keith Miller and that was a little bit before our time, Harmy, yeah. not really had genuine all-rounders. What they've tended to have they've had a couple of guys like steve wall when he had a hamstring um uh, shane watson uh, when he could bowl quite well and you would say maybe ian harvey they've occasionally had those kinds of sort of not bits and pieces but slightly better than bits and pieces all-rounders but the problem is that they are trying to make up an all-rounder from a collection of players at the moment and you could very honestly argue that Glenn Maxwell should probably not be bowling at international cricket very often. Marcus Stoinis looks like he needs everything in his favour to make runs. Uh, Ashton Agar is batting a position too high and Mitch Marsh, they just keep bringing back. It's There's no right answer for them realistically and they've got Ben Cutting and Dan Christian outside the team who are similar players again.
0: Yeah, and you, the thing with the, the all rounder point of view, um, they've been so blessed in the past to have an Adam Gilchrist, who is mm-hmm. arguably the best all rounder that's ever played the game. Um, and trying to find, at this minute in time, a wiki keeper in this, a wiki batsman and find a place for him in there, that's probably just as hard as well. Because whether you go break up Warner Finch and stick Wade in at the top of the order, Carey. You know, does he has he has he done the job? That there doesn't help having to try and fit an all rounder in. You played Mitch Marsh in this game, didn't bowl. Uh, stoyness played in um, as he's played in all three. He's, he hasn't he hasn't uh, he hasn't turned his arm over. So you know when you've when you're picking people like that, all of a sudden you're asking for problems when you don't bowl them. I listened to an interesting conversation Kevin Peterson was talking about the other day on TV. He was talking about Glenn Maxwell, a little bit like, well, you can't drop him he's too he's too good to drop, but there's got to be a time where you think yes, that the talent is there, um, but the performances haven't really sort of come up to the up up to the mark, and I'll go back four or five maybe more years, and a lot was talked that about um, Owen Morgan. And I remember Peterson defending Owen Morgan during that time saying, now he will come good. He is too good not to come to come good. So if you've got an all-rounder, if you haven't got an all-rounder who bats and bowls, your tail is getting lengthened and you've got somebody who you're sticking your hat on to think, well, he's got to come off. But when is he going to come off? For Australia, to still be number one in the world, it tells you how good you are, top top two top three so there's a load loaded load of questions in that middle order what's what's Australia's best batting unit um but I think Australia desperately need to find a way of a way of playing them two middle sort of seven and eight or six and seven to really balance their side around the world because when you play when you know in different wickets different types of wickets um England have been quite blessed in that, and I think Australia are still trying to find their way. I heard what you said before, 1-11, to 11, 8 Australia are possibly on par with England, but it actually in the middle order, I don't think they're anywhere near. Yeah, what you saw in the World Cup, I mean, essentially at times in the World Cup, it looked like they had a five-man team, didn't yeah.
2: they? You know, you, you, I mean, Mitchell Stark is probably... And I say probably. I think he just is definitely the best white ball bowler in the world. Yeah. We don't see him play much white ball cricket because Australia shielded him from it from so much. And he looked rusty in this series. But when he's he's unplayable in T twenty when he's bowling at his best. And I thought he was probably the best bowler in the World Cup as well. So you, you count him and, and you know, obviously Pat Cummins is, is another incredible cricketer. You've got Finch and, and Warner at the top, and you even if you say Steve Smith's not the uh, the best T twenty player, he's still so hard to get around. So there's that Incredible core of this team. And that's what keeps dragging them uh, Mm. across the line. And we saw that with with Finch again tonight. I mean, they don't win that game without Finch. He put them so far ahead of the game in that chase that they could stutter and and still get home. But realistically, the way it all fits together... I mean, you're talking about, you know, Stoynis is in the team as an all-rounder and not bowling. Mitchell Marsh comes back into the side tonight and doesn't bowl. Glenn Maxwell didn't bowl again tonight why are they picking all these all-rounders when they actually there are some very good specialists out there and 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 you talk about um matthew wade coming in and opening the batting he was replacing alex carey alex carey would love to be opening the batting as well because he's an he's an opener um and and you know it's a really it's a really interesting way that they're, they're trying to put it together but the thing is because they have finch warner and stark and cummins you kind of think that they can, if they could just find a way to bring it all together, it's going to absolutely, you know, destroy some teams.
0: But on the other hand, with that, Jared, I'll throw one back at you here. The question for an Australian is: Australia, well, have they just gone to number one in the world in the rankings by beating England tonight? So they are. Mm. I think they're. I think they're number one one in the world. So I'll give you that one. But I look at England's team. If England are playing 2020 World Cup tomorrow, I think I can pick and be confident that 1-11 to 11 will will be shoe-ins, absolute shoe-ins. And I'll go Roy, Besto, Butler, Stokes, Morgan, Milan, Elliot, Seven, Rashid, A, Jordan, Archer, Wolk, uh, Wood. That's leaving out Tom Curran, Wokes, uh, Banton, Joe Root. I can throw this to Australia, who are number one in the world. Can you near me seven or eight shoe-ins? I don't think you will be able to do it.
2: No, I don't think so. I mean, you talk about Richardson, Agar, Stoinis, uh, well, Marsh. Maxwell, I think, is a shoe-in because yeah. he's batting for Australia over the last couple of years, and the fact his bowling is handy. But you're right. I mean, th- they they fundamentally don't know what their lineup is. Marcus Stoinis, I feel like he's batted everywhere, mm. um, and I think he's a really, really good domestic T20 player, but I'm not even sure how he kind of fits into the Australian team. But, jeez, they've, they've tried him in almost every different position. Um, it, it's it's really interesting but you know, that's what the international rankings when it comes to T20 are so silly anyway. I mean, realistically, you would say England is the best uh, international team uh, in the world. And West Indies, I don't think we've even seen a full strength West Indies team play, and they will play uh, coming into that World T20. If they're not the best team on paper in the world, having a look at some of the things that those guys have been doing in, you know, some of their players have been doing in the CPL, obviously all these things depend on Andre Russell's knees, uh, which are a minute-by-minute proposition at, at times. But they're, you know, they've got an incredible team as well. Australia, to me, I mean, you know, as a player, I don't think you'd be that worried about them if you can get past Stark and you get maybe a couple of early wickets.
0: Mm. But the, 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 the conversation throws to a world, it always goes to a world competition. And the world mm. competition's in Australia. It's going to be on them quicker pitches. You know, you'd think... No, about... no,
2: it's not, Harmi. It's It's going to be in India now.
0: Oh, is it India now, is it? Yes,
2: oh, sorry, so no. that, well, I say that now, I mean, who well, knows it could, what it's going to be like in, in well, a year's time. it's not going to be,
0: it, I don't <laughs> think it's going to be in India, even in a year's time. So, <laughs> it's, so it could be, you know, it could be... It could in, be back in Australia or it could be in the Australia, UAE. Or the you UAE. But, you know, if it is in Australia, them good pitches where, mm. you know, pierce on the ball, uh, it's a different, different kettle of fish to where I look at and say, and I'll say it again, whether it's in the UAE or it's in Australia, that 1-11 to 11 I've just named for England... I still think will be the same no matter what pitch they play on. Where Australia yeah, is completely different, and the rank and say they're they're number one in the world. And yeah, I'll, I'm I'm pleased the way England and where England are at this moment in time. I think it's been a great series. Australia have got some question marks. We've got to remember as well that Australia haven't played for you know for quite some time, so mm. there is a bit of that in it. But normally when that happens, it's normally the fielding that's going a bit wry or the bowlers are a bit rusty i actually think i actually think the bowlers have, haven't bowled too badly on this trip from australia's point of view you look at half time in each of the games all three 2020s and you'd say well you know the team batting first maybe 15 20 runs short so it tells you the bowlers have done their job and the fielding done their job it was actually england's fielding was sloppy Catching in the T, this third T20 was you know, I was poor, but actually, other than probably one misfield, I think, by Davey Warner when he tried to throw the ball back to somebody, um, I can't think of too many misfields or catches dropped by Australia. So, when you can see they haven't played for a while, I, I, I thought they quipped themselves not too badly. Um, but again, it's just that, little, that in 2020 cricket. You know, that little special performance uh, comes out and and wins you the match, and probably that's why we're saying Australia have got match winners in their side. Um, but the balance of their side definitely needs working on going into a major tournament because you can't you can be lucky for one game, but I don't think you can be lucky for for sort of five, four or five week tournament.
2: Yeah, and that's what we saw in in the one day World Cup last year. Yeah. So you, it's a and it's. Very similar problems that they have. Again, Marcus Stoinis is sort of there, there and thereabouts, and they're tr- they're trying to fix a few problems with him. Let's just go on to England a little bit, as you you know you just discussed the you know one to eleven uh, makes a lot of sense with England. Um, are thoughts on their bowling at the death? Uh, you know they're they're leaning quite heavily on Chris Jordan at the moment, but he's not an automatic um, player in in that eleven. If, if I remember your eleven
0: correctly, yeah. Well, Jordan for me, if Jordan's not in there, Walker's is in there. Or Curran, the, the, I think both of them are, are very, very good death bowlers. I think, I, I actually think Mo and Ali captained the team very well in the uh, in the third one, the international. Um, I'm Morgan sure. out, out, yeah, Mo I'm in. Sure. <laughs> I'm not sure Morgan would have done too much different to, to the way Ali Moe and, um, and captain of the team the bowling change I thought if, if anything England were 15-20 runs you know, they, were, they were short there so I like Wood I like Archer both playing Pierce Jared I don't know about you but the game is completely different when 90 mile an hour bowlers are playing <laughs> it is a completely different game don't get it right they can go round around a park but when they get it right I think it's such a it's such a great game we've talked Wax Lyrical on having Stark and Commons. I think England need Archer and Wood to play in the uh, in the white ball team and it's whether it's jordan tom curran or, or, or chris wokes all three of them are very very good death bowlers so is uh, so is Jofra archer um and the yeah, the two spin twins of i think have, have bowled well again you know I showed their experience and their class whenever they've bowled Alley hasn't bowled a great deal to be fair um in the in the in the across the series, but, I actually think England's bowlers are in in pretty good order and a pretty good shape. Mark Wood, expensive, last over in the third um, T20. But I think apart from that, I think England have bowled reasonably well in this series. And Talking about the death, I heard a comment about Chris Jordan, whether he bowls three at the death or not in a 2020, I still think that's too much. I think two at the top, two at the at the, at the death is is good enough and is, is adequate enough. You don't want to get Batsman a chance to line you up. But I think all in all, coming from a former fast bowler, I'm quite happy with what England stock looks like with the ball.
2: Yeah, very interesting tonight. I don't know if you noticed it, but Jordan came in ahead of Tom Curran, and I wouldn't... I can't think of uh, too many people who would think he's a better T20 batsman than him. So I think they were giving Jordan a really good chance to prove himself yeah. with the bat as well. And, and on your point on the, the death bowl, there's been a handful of bowlers in the history of T20 cricket that can bowl three overs at the death every game. Uh. Uh, you know, Malinga Malinga's like at the top of that list. There aren't too many other guys up there. So I'm, I'm with you. I think, you know, it, it's a completely different game than than test match bowl, you know, well, test match cricket. In test match cricket, you know, the bowlers are lining up the batsmen, whereas in T20, the batsmen are lining up the bowlers. But just on bowling at the death, here is Chris Jordan, who is talking about uh, how much he wants to bowl there.
0: Three overs at the death is quite tough, um, because especially in, in international cricket and in general, the guys coming in at the end uh, are phenomenal hitters. Uh, yeah, you, you back your own ability, yeah, you have belief in yourself, but three overs in the death can be can be a little bit of a stretch. Um, but again, as I said, um, given the mix of bowlers, we have they have really, really good variety in the attack. No one's really uh, too similar to the other. Um, so, so that gives Morgs um, some good options to choose from.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
0: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the
1: perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job
0: sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism.
0: And uh swallowed oh! towards deep mid-wicket for six. Massive, mighty six. Jason Roy. Third one inside the power play and he's in. He's bowled and he's hit for six over long on. What a shot from Joss Butler. he left arm over, gives it a bit of air. Johnny Besto gives it more air. He's in again, and that Denley has absolutely nailed this baseball style. Into Banton, who's on the pull in a flash. Morgan goes right yeah. outside off stump and swings it over square leg for six more. Victoria's in. Oh, oh. that's a huge hit. <laughs> Massive hit for six Woo-hoo. over deep mid-wicket. Right, Ben Stokes means business. He's in. In into him again, that's another six. He's sliced it over backward point. That's outrageous. How do you do that, Moen Ali?
2: You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two. I'm Jared Kimber, and with me is Steve Harmison, and we're going to throw ahead to the T20 World Cup, wherever it is. It's supposed to be in in India in about a year's time, uh, but with everything that's going on in India at the moment, uh, I wouldn't put too much money on that. Of course, we don't bet uh, because we work in cricket, Harmy, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't 100 put my money on that right now if no. I was a, a gambling person. Um, let, let's look at that top six, for England. This is the top six. If I remember for earlier in the show that you said you've got Roy, Besto, Stokes, Butler, Morgan, and Milan.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd what... Butler at three, Stokes at four. Okay, the other way around. But like I said, it doesn't really matter which order you have them in. That first four, I still don't think you're going to weaken it by by anything. Uh, I still like Johnny Besto at two. I think Roy is an opening batsman. That's that's his game. I think. Butler a little bit more adaptable and still was Stoke So for me, that's three and four. And you've got Morgan and you've got Milan. Milan be the disappointed one listening to this conversation because his numbers are unbelievable and he's batted beautifully for England. He's never let England down. I think it was it 16 innings, eight fifties, one hundred. Um, averaging just around fifty, he strike rate. He talks about his strike rate, but his strike rate's one hundred um, and forty-seven. An interesting in sixteen innings, he's only had one single-figure score. So, you know, for me, he's, he's experienced at this game, um, and that's why I'd have him in there ahead of uh, Joe Root. Yeah, it, it's quite interesting because the problem
2: is in this lineup, uh, Milan kind of has to bat at six, and that's probably not his best spot I mean he's kind of famous for being 10 off 10 in every innings he plays and you know I, I started this thing in, in T20 analytics a, a couple of years ago of, of looking at batsman's strike rate off the first five balls and off the first 10 balls so for instance Luke Ronke from New Zealand I think his strike rate off the first five balls is 150 and his strike rate off the first 10 balls is 160 And then you've got someone like Chris Gale, whose strike rate off the first five balls is 80, and his strike rate off the first um, 10 balls is 130. So you see different patterns for different batsmen. Milan's problem is if he has to bat at six, whether he can just start quick enough. Um, That's the only problem he has, because otherwise he could bat further up the order. It's just that Stokes is going to smash spin. So you want Stokes to bat at four. I think you're right there. Morgan is similar against spin. you You want both of those in before Milan. That's the tricky thing, but I'm not sure that there is a international quality number six sitting around in England that we haven't talked about. There's obviously Alex Hales, who won't come back into this no. team, you would think. They've had their chance, and that's yeah. not happening. Uh, you've already talked about Root. I mean, it seems ridiculous. He's not. He's not a big power hitter to come in at six either. So... If Milan's already making runs. It would be silly to bring uh, Roots in for him. Denley's an opening batsman, very similar to Milan, um, unless you want the leg spin, again. I mean, he did score runs down the order tonight, Denley, but almost all of those were edges off, off yeah. Richardson from memory. Uh, you've then got Billings, who keeps coming in and out, in and out. He, he feels like his name is said more than he actually gets a chance to play, but he just hasn't taken his chances in this particular uh, series. And the other one is Gregory, who I don't think is good enough to bat um, in the top six for England. No. I think he might be a bit of a weakness. And also, watching him bowl in this series, I don't know how you felt, but I just didn't think his bowling was international quality. So I can't see how anyone other than Milan takes Milan's spot anyway.
0: Yeah, I think actually the the one name you missed out as a as a world class number six is actually he'd be batting. He's a world class number seven in my team, and that's Mo and Ali. And I think yeah. if Gregory played or if a few others played, Mo and Ali would end up batting six anyway. So he would go up up one spot. So I think it's a bit of a free hit, that number six. And I actually think the way Milan's played, he deserves his, his chance and he deserves to, to stay in the side. If you're talking about Denley um, and his bits and pieces bowling, well, then Joe Root's a better option than that for me. Um, and i i still think if the if the world t20 was this october november when it was it was scheduled joe root would have been in that squad instead of instead of joe denley i've got no question and i understand fully understand and back 100% what um, ed smith said about you know if, if joe's not in the 11 i don't see the point of him being in the bubble for any longer time because of everything he's had on his shoulders during the the, the test match series i fully support that i think that's the right decision um, but for me Milan has done brilliantly and I've just mentioned all the numbers one single figure score in 16 innings but we've seen um, at Rajasthan batting Stokes down the order didn't really work batting him at number 5 or number 6 I think it didn't work coming in trying to hit the first ball out of the ground because there's only 10 balls left in the innings exactly the same with Josh Butler they can do that role but they're much better at the role which you're going to give them at number three and number four. So, unfortunately, that number six spot is somebody who it's not a it's not a, not a case of an afterthought. It's just a case of well, it, it's a bit of a free hit. He's not going to he's not in there as an all rounder because Stokes is your all rounder at number four. And I just think the way Milan's performed for England over the course of the last couple of years, I think he deserves to stay in this team and stay in my team. And that's why I'd have him at number six.
2: It's really interesting when you look at his career figures. And to be fair, uh, his recent figures, you know, the last three or four years are different. But he's got, he averages 33 with a bat in domestic, in all T20, averaging uh, with a straight rate of 129. That's pretty much what you expect an average opener to do. Um, And now he's been thrown into this other role and he's even going to bat further down the order if, if he does come up. If because it's a free hit, is it who would you take as sort of the alternate number six? If Moen Ali, if they do want to keep Moen Ali at number seven,
0: um, that's it, it, that's an interesting the interesting topic because it is do you do you there do you then look at somebody who just uh, some, like an, a Luke Wright type, uh, an old mm. fa- you know, a, a younger model of a, a Luke Wright, somebody that yeah you know, can hit the first ball out the ground is. That's probably to, Gregory, isn't it? And it's but his is. Are we are we looking for something that we don't really need? You know, do That's we? Very, yeah. You know, sometimes you try and reinvent the wheel, and it's actually not really necessary. I think what you find is potential. You say, right? Who's our six best batsmen? There are our six best batsmen. There's our two spinners. We're going with two fast lads and somebody that's you know quite good to bowl to death, and that's the balance of my my side and the way I've picked it. You could put Root in that side at number six, not a problem. You know, working a ball around. If you know there's six balls left to the innings, where then Ali jumps ahead of him, Jordan goes ahead of him. You look at you were 2020 and you you're the stats man in this teams can afford to lose two wickets in that first power player if they lose one in the first over does Milan then go in at three just mm-hmm. to give you a little bit more Biden time or a route going at three just to give you a little bit more time just to, so the you know that little bit more newness goes off the ball so you can get Butler, Stokes, Morgan in when the spin bowlers are coming on all these things come into the conundrum where the actual player that is down and num- bad at number six doesn't have to actually bat there. He could actually bat at three, or he could just float down the order. Ten, fifteen year ago, he had to be a great fielder. Now they're all great fielders, so that's not a, that's not a um, a, a problem. Um, You look at somebody like, you mentioned Joe Denley before. If it's Joe Denley that gets into that middle order, well, I still think Joe Root's bowling's better than Joe Denley's. And to be fair, when we were in, was it India last time with the the World T20? Joe Root was actually a a, a force with the ball from a a little bits and pieces point of view when it comes to England's attack. So all these things come into the melting pot, but I just think England's best six batsmen at this minute in time are the ones I've said, and unfortunately for David Milan, as well as he's played, I can only get him in at number six.
2: So Owen Morgan talked about Joe Root uh, recently and talked about whether he still has a future in T20 cricket. He certainly does have a future.
1: Um, and the, the conversation was surrounding Joe not getting in the best 11 at the moment, but also we didn't want to carry him around and not play any cricket. Joe wants to play T20 cricket and and put his best case forward particularly when he doesn't have a lot of opportunity to go back to Yorkshire and play T20 cricket. We felt that this was a really good opportunity to do that.
2: Harmi, very quick one for you here. Would you take, if the next World T20 is in India or the UAE, Which it might possibly be. Would you take Joe Root?
0: Yes, definitely. I take my four backup would be Tom Curran, Chris Wokes, Joe Root, Tom Banton. Banton more from experience. Root, I think, I still think Root would have been in the squad for this one. I don't rule him out of anything. I understand what's been on his plate, and I think it was a good idea to give him a little bit of a breather. But if you're picking your 15 best players for a World Cup, Joe Root would definitely be in my 15.
2: Thanks, Harmy. This has been the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back via the following on feed, now available on the free Talk Sport app. The following on podcast
1: is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.